Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 477, and today we'll be talking about The Star from Adventure Time, Fiona and Cake. I'm GC13. And I'm David. <laughs> this is not even the worst version of Ooh that we'll see in this season, and that is amazing. <laughs> what an intense cold open with uh, Marceline just discovering Simon's body. The the star was and that he an wears her one. size. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. Wow. So coming off of you know the lovely uh, ice, the Winter King, Winter King episode. This is this is quite a reversal. Oh yeah, I loved I loved Bonnabelle's or Bonnie's whatever she's calling herself. How could you bring a child into this world? <laughs> uh, double meaning. Fiona, yeah, Fiona didn't leave as much of a gap as I wanted between saying it was an accident and <laughs> a statement about him sneaking into the backpack. He must have crawled in during nap time. <laughs> Although that could also be a double entendre. But yeah, Ooh. I don't actually, um, doesn't Baby Finn, he's just stuck there. Did we all forget that? Well, he was uh, hanging out in the tank. I don't know. Uh, that's He's probably going to have to get relocated by Prismo. I don't think Scabby can hold out much longer. Yeah, it's a, it's a choice that they had him come along at all. I guess we got an extremely tiny moment seeing an alternative older Martin joyous to see baby Finn. That, that's cute. That was so adorable. Just uh, one, of the, one of the many what might have beens uh, here. I, I like that we have uh, Martin, properly raised, could, uh, could love a child care for him as a father ought to instead of abandoning him at every possible opportunity okay and uh we've seen that marceline uh without a strong conscience to guide her uh, well we know what she's like and uh liberated it's not pretty i well first of all martin he was a fine guy until he got into some trouble like i, I still don't understand how he became such a bad guy because in unusual Adventure Time fashion, and maybe I need to rewatch the show to jog my memory, but I, I, I remember being struck by the fact that we learn his backstory later. Like, the way we experience Martin first is that he's a jerk. Oh, he gets the pink diamond treatment. Well, he gets the pink diamond treatment from Steven Universe. We get reverse character development. We see what he was like earlier. But uh, they don't really bridge the gap in the original show between him being a good father and then him being really a disconnected a-hole like yes he leaves finn but for like a, a an okay reason and then he come just loses track of finn es essentially like he gets chased by his past and then loses track of finn and i don't understand why when we finally see him meet finn again he he's I mean, he seems traumatized, essentially, to the point of having an entirely new, awful personality. And I don't understand where he developed. He becomes so hardened to feeling <laughs> and so emotionally distant from Finn. It's, it's really weird. I guess the life of a cosmic criminal is a tough one. Well, yeah, <laughs> like, and I, you know, I just feel like his crime wasn't even that intense before. Anyway, here he is as an adult and... Without a family in his life, he never loses track of what's important, which is beans and cabbage. As he always says, paying it forward, you know? <laughs> that's that's what his life's all about. Of course, they can't let a Merton live in these episodes. <laughs> nope. 
At, at least it serves the purpose of making Fiona's outfit ultimately cool. I know, right? It gets completed with Martin's jacket. Yep. It's a slow journey for her to get a new look. Now, there's not really all that much to the B-plot to discuss this time. I just want to say how wonderful it was to kind of mix the two together, like the tower where Ms. Abadir lives, kind of blending into the tower in which all the vampires live, just the way they're cutting the scenes back and forth. Ooh. The, the, the tension, the, the you're a bad dad and you're a bad mom. It was great. <laughs> yeah, those were really good visual parallels. But I agree that the B-plot is plain and simple. There's, there's very little to it. It's let's go meet uh, his mom and then find out, of course, just like the actual uh, ruler of the Nightosphere, you know, she sucks. <laughs> and which was already obviously anyway. Because Marshall Lee didn't want to hang around her. And of course, of course they're having a blood drive in an, in an episode <laughs> where the A-plot is fighting vampires. And I did not notice until this episode that Marshall Lee has a birthmark on his neck to, to indicate a vampire bite. Oh, yeah. Although I think just a single hole, not two, so. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, there's some freckles there, but yeah, nice. Well, I'm glad the blood <laughs> finally... Finally made that uh, more obvious that I don't remember, though, was Hudson Abadir so um, he he didn't move so much, right? Like, what was with that <laughs> with Marshall Lee's mom? Like, why did Miss Abadir have this bombastic way of moving around and dance yes. talking? Hmm. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like Hudson Abadir does that thing where he just does a 180 with his neck. And uh, maybe they decided to replace uh, that with something goofier since, you know, she has to have human neck rotation. <laughs> I mean, it does characterize her as, um, I mean, truly someone who has no shame. So <laughs> yep. she is so powerful. She can be as weird as she wants. Exactly. <laughs> She's got all of these people in here. Her son's boyfriend can have the business of his dreams as long as her son toes the line again, does what he's supposed to. And uh, Gary decides that some things are more important than having your own bakery chain. In a strong way, too. I, I mean, nice job. Yeah, he didn't have to tell that dude off. He didn't have to call him a creep. I mean, he <laughs> would have been blackballed anyway, but he would have been much nicer about it. And look, we know that the parallel for that character, uh, the King of Who, was like a creep. But honestly, besides this dude's little creep glasses, what has he done to prove himself a creep? In this world, the King of Who is the, the queen who's hosting the bus tours, or who owns the bus tours. So this guy's technically not the King of Who. Wait, who is... he looks... I Wait. don't think he's anybody, but yeah, he he looks so King of Wu to me. I mean, he looks King of Wu. I would I would question who the bus tour leader was again. I mean, she calls her Queenie, so I don't know who else the bus tour lady could possibly be. You even said it yourself in our first podcast episode. She's got that earwax look going on. Damn, incriminated by my own words. <laughs> I don't. I I can't reconcile that. Who the hell does this character remind me of? Are there just two King of Wu characters? Maybe the King of Wu has a twin sister. I mean, the alternate worlds do give us insight into possibly the realities of Wu. Who knows? 
This could be a, a Ford situation from Gravity Falls. No spoilers. <laughs> but they did it again in this episode with uh, Fiona and Cake. Their presence is affecting the other worlds badly. Uh, Fiona's mere presence turns a garlic bomb into a clove of garlic. And if I remember correctly, is this the last we see of that effect? And it's only seen very few times, too. I don't know if it's her or if it's even just the remote breaking. Well, the, from the way Scarab mentioned that, you know, they're bad for reality, I think it's the fact that they're there. They're where they aren't supposed to be. But I don't know why they would include that story element and then do nothing with it, really. Yeah, it's confusing because also, I mean, Finn has been in worlds he wasn't supposed to be. I mean, he was in Farm World and that wasn't an element. But uh, they're they're all legit worlds. Fiona and Cake's world is not legit. So that's why Scarab says they do weird stuff. Yeah, but like, is Scarab right? Because what fundamentally is different about Prismo's world other than the fact that it's unauthorized? Like, is it physically different? I think it's its lack of connection is what does it. Mm. Such that it's just a corrupting factor? I don't know. There, Yeah, there's so few instances of it. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a thread that goes nowhere, unfortunately. But it does make for some pretty intriguing scenes, especially after uh, they explain what's going on and then you see it happen. I'll say something intriguing. Why is the Vampire King Marceline's dad? Is that real? He's her adoptive father. It's gotta be that, right? In the original world of Ooh, he took a great interest in uh, Marceline as well. He decided, okay, I'm going to pass on my vampirism to you. He even, when they tried to undo all that, he set things in motion so that she had to accept the vampirism again. So he he was determined that she would accept his curse. Yeah, there's, I mean, what happened in this world, right? Did Marceline ever even attempt to be a vampire hunter? Obviously, she, she survived without Simon. They raised her young. Like They found her when Simon would have found her. And they raised her. I didn't think that she could grow after being turned, but it seems really weird. I guess, yeah, you know, once you're big enough, I'll turn you. That could make sense. And her fashion sense remains impeccable. Fantastic. (laughs) She had wonderful outfits in this episode. Gorgeous. Like, not only can you slay, you can slay while slaying it. In, In the stakes episodes, did Marceline dress... So, uh, dressy? Or was it more like the the punk rock version of Marceline? Um, this was the more punk rock Marceline. This was the vampire hunter portion of her life. She was not dressing as nobility. She was a scrappy vagabond. Yeah. So this is a little bit different than any Marceline we've seen before. Like, it's definitely a divergence. Her acting as, like, the vampire king's princess, you know? It is some wonderful Three Musketeers stuff. <laughs> But yeah, the, well, speaking of things that aren't going to go anywhere, we see this building thing, or the, the maybe the conclusion of this thing, between this alternate Bonneville and Marceline, and, I mean, what do you, what do you think about that? Is it, did you wish that you could even see a hint in them of, like, that it could all be resolved? It seems like Bonneville's anger and Marceline's absolute deranged glee they both have the hots for each other definitely 
the vampire king is like, you know, stop playing with your food, or at least play more creatively. So he knows that she could kill her, and she even killed the vampire minion or uh, broke its neck for him daring to suggest that uh, she should just kill her. And Marceline definitely does not want Bonnie to die. And even Bonnie's remarking, it would be so easy to stake you. Like, so she's being clear that she doesn't want to either. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot more repressed for them. They just, I, I, I would wonder how this all developed. And, you know, the fact that Bonnebel is a full candy person in here is interesting, right? Like, what the timeline here, I, I can't remember what it was in Adventure Time. This gap between Marceline becoming a vampire and the candy kingdom developing and the gum. Yeah, she should have just been bubblegum back when Marceline was such a small child. So unless it's been like a thousand years of this, or at least a couple hundred years of this for her to develop. Right, like they wouldn't have met at any rock concerts, right? Like they probably would have met under the context of I am the burgeoning evil vampire queen, you know, or vampire princess. Doesn't roll off the tongue as well, does it? <laughs> yeah, like, they literally would have just thought, one, they're hot, two, they're powerful. That's it. <laughs> and then, like, I love you like an enemy. That's <laughs> that, that, That's where they're at. I don't understand the vampire king in this episode, though. Like Bonnabelle points out, he is being so short-sighted here. Like, as the graffiti points out, uh, no sun, no people. And since they kind of rely on having people to feed on, like, they're hunting themselves into extinction, basically. They're destroying all of their prey for no reason. Yeah, including when they're not even hungry. Meanwhile, in Stakes, you know, he's he's putting plans into motion. He's a very patient man in that one. Yeah, maybe he's grown bored or just like maybe being too powerful has, you know, consequences <laughs> to your mental health. I mean, being bored would be in character for him. He, he doesn't seem to be one who clings to life. He seems to have a plan and go for it. <laughs> yeah. Also, just casually, he is wearing the crown and has absolutely zero problems, right? Like, he is completely unaffected by this crown. So that that's new information for us. It could be that it is affecting him, and that that's why he's like, you know what, I'm going to do this even though I don't need to. Maybe that's what that was meant to communicate. But, like, mildly. <laughs> like, his effect is oh, not he's... going crazy. It's like, ah, uh, it's not the best plan. You know? That, that's about his level. I mean, he was already magical, so maybe it's better for him. He also doesn't ostensibly use ice powers. I mean, I guess clouds are generated from... I mean, you can... It's literally like ice crystals moisture forming around in the air. Uh, something like that. But he doesn't otherwise lean on that at all. So, I, again, we're seeing what a more powerful being using Evergreen's technology does. Like, they, they can basically do what they want. Maybe there's a little bit of madness involved, but it looks like if you're already magic and you're already somewhat mad, it's not that noticeable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the way he took care of Huntress, uh, using his telekinesis to get her with her own arrows, feel like I've seen that before, but oh, it gets me every time. Yeah, that is not quite a trope, but definitely uh, hasn't that been a thing before. I'm like, which Marvel character? Hawkeye? Has this happened to Hawkeye? Or who? who which which, which superhero has all the arrows that they can just automatically fire and target from their body? Is that in Guardians of the Galaxy? The blue guy? That's a thing. 
Bottom line is, I feel like I've seen this in a cartoon before, or maybe a video game, but ooh, very good here. Vampire King has a lot of gravitas when he wants to. <laughs> and then he could also gleefully say, I don't even need to be destroying all of my prey. I just don't like having to wait until nighttime to go outside. <laughs> right? Yeah, for him, the experience is just like, just want a little higher quality of life, you know? <laughs> not even any dramatic plan. It's not like I'm immortal and have to plan for, you know, what happens in the coming decades. <laughs> So completely not really, like, interesting conversation, but uh, there were just three great classic Adventure Time uh, nods in here. One in the, not etchings, but just, like, spray paint graffiti that said various things. There was one that just said, I'm looking for Dave, which is an amazing <laughs> call out to, like, freezing frames in Adventure Time and looking for the Dave drawing, who was <clears> not there. Because <laughs> when I saw that text, I was like, wait, maybe Dave is somewhere in this frame. But I did not see the Dave image. Also, Cosmic Owl gets a shout out. Apparently he's on the naughty list now. Profiteering. <laughs> so, whoops, I guess Prismo and his friends are uh, similar. Yep, they're getting rounded up. You know, it, it was sad that Martin had a, a brutal death, but we also saw Billy, the corpse of Billy, just casually yes. mutilated by dozens of vampire bites. That's too bad. <sighs> Poor Billy. He was the hero they needed, then he failed. Yeah, damn. I mean, that's a quick way to communicate, though, just how serious the vampire situation is here, right? Like, Billy was no slouch. No. <laughs> interesting that he would have been around back then. That's interesting news. I didn't realize Billy was that old. Yeah. Did we Have we seen Billy at different ages at all? Um, I don't know if we see what he looks like in his younger days. I feel like they do flashback to it. But uh, by the time we meet Billy, you know, it's modern, ooh, it's no time travel or anything. Right. I mean, he definitely, obviously, isn't human. He's like some massive giant, you know. Some giant of some sort, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's some mutant, as they all are. But as for funny Adventure Time things, I love the whole, who wants soup, beans, and cabbage? And they're like, beans! And then <laughs> Bonnie just puts on the gas mask. <laughs> yeah. Well, she also doesn't need to eat, except her own flesh, occasionally, but just for a quick chew. Well, or if she needs to give somebody some uh, some sticky bubblegum. Yeah. I, I like the technical inclusion of Peppermint Butler as well as the AI <laughs> of the tank, who is <laughs> has the same level of, not sass, but more like, um, what's the word for when you've given up? That word. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of acceptance <laughs> yeah just pitiful acceptance of being bossed around what to do and like after he gets damaged you know she gives him a quick punch and he's just like ow <laughs> ma'am when she punched him after that i was expecting him to say 17 hours <laughs> yeah right <laughs> but I, I guess it's the only way we can get peppermint butler in here without having to figure out Okay, how is this guy actually fighting the Vampire King rather than trying to join him? <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to take it to that Bonneville just leaned into the technology side of things and never really had time to develop a Candy Kingdom. Yep. Oh, speaking of the Candy Kingdom, listening to everything at its ordinary speed, I was able to quite clearly talk about uh, we're going to have a whole kingdom filled with candy mentions. So yes, they were definitely thinking of... Uh, how Bubblegum will just spontaneously speak German at times. Yes! Hey, there you go. <laughs> uh, memory confirmed. For some reason, Princess Bubblegum is German or something. <laughs> I, 
I mean, she's a smart scientist. Why would she not speak German? Exactly. So yeah, I guess we uh, don't know. Maybe maybe Marceline and, and Bonneville die in this universe. It's not like most people aren't already dead in this universe and fated to be dead. So rest in peace. <laughs> it's, it's another trip on the Fiona and Cake concert tour of Doom. Like <laughs> dead worlds, one after the other. Yep, and it only gets worse from here, so. <laughs> well, the next one wasn't their fault. Although they do kill the last living... You know what? It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Anyway, guys, that's it for us on The Star. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com. 